Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, it's good to be back with you. Uh, how are you doing, man? I've been doing pretty well. Things are starting to open up, but not enough that I can go see family. So we'll be having a staycation next week, and uh, it will be putting the stay in staycation because there's literally almost nothing to do uh, that's open. So. Do you have each half hour planned out yet? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'm a planner, but there's not a lot you can do. I mean, it's yeah, looking at it, it's like 9.30, go to a park. 10.30, go to a park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're not big golfers. Uh, you know, our our young children don't exactly like to hit the links, though. So, so not much going on with what? me. How about you? Uh, yeah, we actually are going to make a short trip, Lord willing, in a couple of days to the beach with my parents, but we're going to stay pretty short. But, you know, if you can manage to get get your way through down to Georgia, maybe I can try to get you on at the Augusta National. Um, no promises, but... That'd be good, so... Yeah. Uh, so I imagine during this time, Tony, that you've had a good bit of time to read the Bible with your kids, and that's something that you're committed to, but um, is that a practice that you've continued while... You've been quarantined at home? We have, and we're in the book of Judges, which was has been fun. Uh, our kids especially got a blast out of the uh, time where you know a sword got stuck in a guy's fat. So That is always a favorite. <laughs> How about you, Ben? Yeah, that, that one, uh, you know, you might want to ask if you have your kids draw pictures of what they're, they're listening to. It kind of gets worse and worse. Um, so... But that that topic of Bible reading their kids, I think, is a really important one. And uh, sometimes, you know, you read a book, and you, man, I wish I could ask the author this or ask him that. One of the things that this podcast has helped us to do uh, is to do just that. We and we've had the chance to talk to a number of authors, and so today we've got a special guest to talk to us about his book, um, reading the Bible with your kids. And we've got Dr. John Nielsen. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. Well, Don, we uh, we appreciate your time, and um, I know you you do have a lot of ministry responsibilities, even if you are quarantined at your house. Um, but uh, just you know, real quick before we get into the meat of this, um, how has this quarantine affected your family and your your Bible reading together? Yeah, uh, well, it's certainly um, given us a lot more. Um, family time. I mean, more than we expected would be happening in the months of uh, March and April and May. So we're, um, my wife and I are both working mainly from home, uh, and all of our kids are doing school from home. So, um, you know, and our kids go to our older three, go to a Christian school. So, um, it means that we're not only doing the, you know, the parental discipleship thing, but we're also their Bible teachers now. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it really is kind of all of life is, has kind of come under, come back under our roof, I guess, is the best way to put it. So um, with all the challenges, but also the kind of unexpected joys, I think that that brings. Well, John, just to give a little background on John, uh, he is the senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church, that's PCA, in Roselle, Illinois. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. 
Okay, one of the, the Chicago suburbs, Tony's homeland, and uh, he has he's been there for a number of years. He's married. He has four daughters, and uh, he's written a number of books. And then, like I said, the, the one that we're going to be focusing on today is this book about Bible reading with your kids from Matthias Media. They put out a lot of quality resources, so you might want to check out their website. Um, but John, why don't dads and parents often read the Bible with their kids? It's something I think people recognize as a good thing, and uh, I hope that it's increased during this quarantine. I fear that it, it may not have, but why do you think that's often the case that they don't? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there's a few reasons, and I, I think I mentioned a few of them in the introduction of the book. But, but you know, one reason I was thinking about even recently with, with our situation is that I think a lot of parents— whose kids are in either Christian school or in just going to Sunday school can rest in the fact that that, that part of their kids' education is kind of being outsourced. You know, like someone else is taking care of this. That's why I send them to Sunday school, you know, or or that's why I send them to a Christian school. Or that's why I send them to that Christian summer camp. Um, so I think there can be this temptation to view the Bible learning, especially in the really early ages, as something that we're kind of outsourcing to somebody else. Um, some of it, too, and I know I mentioned this in the book, is that I think as dads, and I, this is true of me a lot of the time, um, we're just lazy. Um, not that we don't work hard in general, um, but we come to the end of the day and um, we've got a temptation to get the kids in bed as quickly as possible and turn on the game, although there's no live sports right now, but <laughs> you know what I mean, and just not intentionally engage spiritually with our kids. Um, it's just so much easier not to do that. Uh, it takes work and it takes intentionality. I mean, I, I feel that uh, even as a pastor, you, you, send, you minister and then um, get home, it, it doesn't, you, doesn't stop there. And I've heard that sentiment from others. Yeah. So, well, that was definitely the the most perfect segue into our next question we've ever had from an answer. I, I actually do want to ask before our next question, since you uh, likewise are from the Chicago area, that, uh, you know, people talk about deep dish in that area. So uh, do you prefer Giordano's or are you wrong? <laughs> wow. <laughs> You don't leave me much uh, much leeway. We, we like Giordano's. We also love Luminati's. Yeah, so Luminati's is good. So. Those are our top two. I won't tell you which is my top one, so we won't get in a fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Luminati's is more of the deep, traditional deep dish anyway, So, but it's good yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> Why is a dad's spiritual life and engagement with his kids particularly important? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always, I, I, we've got four daughters, and so I do think of this, I mean, for me, I think of it first for my own kids, you know, I, I think that, um, so, so there's the stuff I talk about in the book where there are statistics that actually point to the fact that the father's spiritual life is, is much more, I mean, like exponentially more a determinative spiritual factor for what happens to their kids, um, than the moms. And it doesn't mean that the spiritual life of a mom is insignificant, but in general, as a father goes spiritually, so go the children. Um, that, and it's, that's backed up by lots of studies. But the other thing I, I think about, you know, as a, as a dad raising daughters is I want them to see what a godly man looks like. I want them to start to, you know, have a desire to one day be married to someone who loves Jesus mm -hmm. and who is a worshiper of Christ and loves the church. 
So, you know, I think part of my role is, is kind of trying to live out for them what it means to be a Christian man, because that, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that, that will help. I think their future, um, you know, probably they'll get married. Maybe some, maybe some of my daughters won't, I don't know, but, um, but it will make, hopefully give them a picture of what it looks like to live out Christ, um, before them. So yeah, that's where I'd start. I mean, I'd start with those two things. Um, and then I also think there's just, and this is maybe a little bit anecdotal. I think there's a lot of dads that I see who coast spiritually and mom is the one who's really kind of dragging everybody into church and dragging, dragging people, uh, dragging the kids into, you know, reading the Bible and praying. Um, and uh, I think a lot of dads need a little bit of a kick in the pants to step up and lead spiritually. Yeah, that's that's poignant. Tony and I both have two daughters apiece and uh, thinking of it in those terms. But I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the statistical stuff. And you mentioned the study from Switzerland. And uh, I had not encountered that before. And I mean, not that I've you know um, done PhD research or something on family ministry, but I mean, I've read a, a fair bit. And so I had not heard that. But um, that was very, very poignant. And then you only go to Switzerland two or three times a year, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, my private jet. Um, so, John, where does a dad start? I mean, especially if he's never tried this uh, and it just seems foreign. Um, are there any useful tips that you've learned along the way that you'd pass along? Yeah, I mean, the best thing is just, you know, it's it's like um, it's like prayer, you know, um, the best way to get better at praying is to pray, you know, the best way to get better at, um, public speaking is to do it a lot. You know, so my word, and I think this was in the book as well, is just start doing something. Um, even if it's just, even if, I mean, if you're doing zero, (laughs) then any improvement or or anything is an improvement. Um, so even if it's just saying, Hey, we're going to have one verse that we're going to focus on for a whole week. And we're going to read that verse together every night and talk about what it means and then let that guide us into a little time of family prayer before bed. Even that is something. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, for dads who are not really engaging and leading their family spiritually at all, just set a really low bar and start doing something. Um, Again, even that, even saying we're going to have one verse that we're going to read every night this week and we're going to maybe try to memorize it together. We're going to talk about what it means. We're going to pray about it together. Um, even that, I think, will begin to have a mark on your kids. That's good. That's good advice. And when I was in seminary, I listened to a whole lot of audio of Don Carson. Um, which did you ever have him? Did, you went to Trinity, right? Yeah, he was my advisor at, at Trinity, so I know I know him well. Yeah, wonderful, godly scholar. Yeah, that's good to hear personally. Um, but he talked about when his, his youngest child was, I mean, still in a high chair and they would read nursery rhymes and he, she could repeat back things, you know, just from memory. And he thought, oh, I can read the Bible to her as well. And so he started reading, you know, I think first Corinthians 13, he started to read a paragraph and then he'd build on it. And before long, I mean, the child was repeating back. Now, not every child's going to do that and have those verbal skills. Um, but it just, you know, someone world-class Bible scholar and a godly man, you said, who it, it didn't click immediately to do this. But then he, he took some steps and paid off. Yeah, they're retaining so much. I mean, our kids, you know, my my two-year-old um, is, is I mean, she knows she's recognizing songs. Um, you know, her favorite song right now is Baby Shark, of course, with every <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's amazing how much you can tell she's retaining even as a two year old. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. For, for our family, we often will do fighter verses. Uh, and, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with fighter verses at all or no. Um, and, some of those those are uh, Bible verse, uh, kind of a memorization tool that was designed by Children Desiring God, now True 78. And uh, it's just crazy how when you work on it at a young age, I mean, my, my oldest, uh, who is, you know, I don't want to say the age on this, uh, but, you know, obviously much younger than me, has double the Bible verses memorized that I probably do. <laughs> and uh, it's just amazing when you focus on that. It might be because you used to be like anti-Bible memory, you know, just to remind you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Dumb college student. I'm glad you've seen the light. Yes. Uh, So how can we guide our kids to see bigger picture themes or teachings of the Bible beyond just kind of the stories or beyond just isolated memory verses we've kind of talked about? Yeah, I mean, there's a few, there's a, a couple of ways. I mean, it really, the, the, the basic answer is systematic theology and biblical theology, but, but you're bringing it down to it to a kid's level. So biblical theology, meaning basically helping them understand the big story of the Bible, the kind of grand scope of redemption. And there's, there's like more children's books in the last five or 10 years coming out on that theme than ever before. I mean, so Dave Helm had had the first really good one, I think. It's called the Big Picture Story Bible, where he, it's not just Bible stories, it's telling the kind of one big story of Scripture that culminates in Christ. Um, But then there's the Gospel Storybook, there are the Jesus Storybook Bible and the Gospel Story Bible. And so a lot of children's books now, I think, are helping, helping really young kids put the Bible together, you know, creation, fall, redemption, uh, restoration. But then the other one is systematic theology, and, and all I mean by that is not that they, you know you, they need to start reading Wayne Grudem at age four or something, but um, but I mean beginning to help them get themes, theological themes that are coming out of the reading. So you know you mentioned judges; it's like you know <laughs> King Eglon. You know what is King Eglon a picture of? You know he he's. He's grown fat on oppressing God's people, and, and the 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 mur- you know the execution from Ehud is supposed to show God's justice, and even the disgusting nature of it. You know that scene where he's yeah. the smells coming out of the room. You know, and the kids are <laughs> laughing, and I think the Jews, the Jewish people, when they heard that story, they would have been laughing and guffawing. And the point is, here is this vivid picture of what happens to the enemies of God mm. who have gorged themselves on sin and oppression. And a kid can get that, you know, like it's the story, but then there's the theological theme that you can begin to tell them, you know, this is the ugliness of sin and this is God's justice that is going to come uh, to those who don't turn to him and repent and humble themselves. So, yeah, so basically biblical theology and systematic theology, but put in, in the ch- language of a child. You know, I would yeah, have figured a- you would have brought up Burkoff rather than Grudem. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, well, Grudem was the first systematic theology I ever read, so I always reference that. But Both are good. So, John, how can dads, maybe who are new to the faith, or maybe they just don't know a lot of Scripture, they've not been discipled well, uh, how, can, how can you help them connect the dots for their kids, just like we're talking about? They don't know who King Eglon is and, you know, creation, fall, redemption. You know, they're like, what? So 
what what's your word for them? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to be patronizing at all. I would read go go get Dave Helms' Big Picture Story Bible, and we've read that through. I don't know how many times with our kids. You know, we'll go back to it regularly and just read it again because it's it is a kid it is a children's Bible, but he's very intentionally showing the scope and the shape of scripture. And actually, so I, I was, um, I did an internship at a, at a Dave Helms church in Chicago. And our first assignment as interns, this is, you know, interns who were, we were already in seminary, you know, he had us read through that book and break it, break it down into different sections as a way of helping us understand the whole story of the Bible and its shape. Um, you know, 24, 25, 26-year-old seminary students are going through this children's book and outlining it. Um, and so I honestly, I would say get a book like that and, and say, okay, how is he showing me the way the Bible's put together? How is Jesus fulfilling, you know, all of these Old Testament promises? Um so, yeah, I would start with something like that. And then, you know, there, there are the, the next steps you can read. Um, Vaughn Roberts has a great book called, um, I think it's God's Big Picture. I think so. Yeah. Um, where he's got, you know, he's got the Bible kind of organized in, I think it's eight, eight segments of the development of the kingdom. And so Vaughn Roberts' book is really kind of a, a somewhat simplified version of Graham Goldsworthy who's really the one who kind of brought biblical theology back into the, the evangelical church today in a lot of ways. And he, you know, he boiled it down into the, the, the Bible's the story of the kingdom, God's people in God's place under God's rule. And that really is the, what bring, holds the Bible together. So, sorry, that was kind of a long answer, but I, I would start at this really simple resources, and then you can kind of read more and more as you begin to get, you know, put, your, put your Bible together. You surprised me with that, but it reminded me, uh, one of my first seminary classes, a church history professor at Southern suggested the very same book that you did. He said, I'm not, I'm not, be, I'm not joking with you. This is a great book in, in helping you to learn how to put your Bible together. Um, and so, yeah, dads, it would be worth your time. It's, it's a big, heavy book, too. It, um, it is cool how uh, sometimes there's that great uh, truth in, in kids' books. Even our family, we've been studying um, the the CEF, child, uh, not Child Evangelism Fellowship, uh, that uh, CCEF, rather, uh, that has in, has brought out some kind of biblical counseling books for kids. Uh, they're little storybooks. Uh, they're little animals and battling against certain sin struggles. And and even the other day, I was reading one to my kids, and I'm like, man, this is uh, impacting me and correcting some of my errant theology from my own sinful heart. So it is cool how parents, you know, and I know some that listen to the podcast are, do not have young kids in the home, and it just shows how these kind of things do uh, speak to us even in different situations. So. Uh, what role do questions have in Bible reading with our kids, and how can we improve at asking them? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I talk about that in the book, just the importance of kind of stopping along the way and asking those questions to make sure kid, your, your kids are with you and following along. And um, when we do nighttime Bible reading, our, you know, our, our kids... I don't know. I know all kids are not the same, but they like being asked questions. You know, dad, ask me a question. I want to, I want to know. Um, so it becomes a little kind of a fun quiz game, but it also is like, um, 
I think it builds the relationship. It keeps them engaged. You know, it, it communicates, hey, it's important to me that you are understanding God's word. This is not dad getting on his soapbox. This is not rote repetition. This is actually something that is that I want you to understand, and I want you to learn more about the God that I love, the God that I worship, and the God who, who I want you to love and worship too. Um, so yeah, that's the rule. And then the you know, in terms of what kinds of questions, I always think it's good to try to ask a mix of like just checking for their comprehension. Did they understand the story or the passage you read? But then also some kind of helping them. And our kids are still growing in this, you know, because they're young. What do I do about this kind of questions? You know, like how does this actually affect my life? Like what we saw in this passage. What does that tell you about God and what he wants from me today? Um, and that that takes time. I mean, you'll get some really weird answers, you know, when you start asking those questions. <laughs> but what you're teaching them is to say, this is God's living word that touches my life today. And so, yeah, that, that would be how I'd start getting after it. Good. I know as I was reading this, um, you know, before – I occasionally would some pepper in some questions, but it, I don't know if you say convicted me, but it did confront me with the need to do it more and how helpful it would be. And so I've made it a point since then to, to ask those kinds of questions. And, and it has been helpful. And like my kids are at the stage where they, they want to be asked questions. Right. And, uh, so, <clears throat> yeah. So John, how would you appre- uh, approach reading some of the particularly Old Testament books um, with content that maybe is a little challenging or maybe not so thrilling for kids. I mean, I'll just give you a few examples, but if you want to go on other uh, examples, but, you know, Leviticus or Ecclesiastes, some of these more difficult kind of material. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's okay to, to start in the places that you know are going to be most accessible. Um, you know, so... And I also don't think it's wrong to um, – what, what I would say is some of those things, it's okay to be summarizing you know, early on. And there's a big difference between a 5-year-old and a 12-year-old. I mean, and even our, our almost 10-year-old is able to begin to put together some more difficult, complex themes, you know, but, but, you know, I don't think, I don't think reading through Ecclesiastes beginning to end is where I'd start if I've got (laughs) seven, five and three. I mean, I wouldn't, (laughs) you know, you get there eventually. Um, but I would definitely start with the narrative and, you know, for example, maybe don't read all 66 chapters of Isaiah but maybe spend some time reading parts of Isaiah, talking about what a prophet is, you know, what a prophet does, and then some ways that the prophecy, Isaiah's prophecy, is speaking to God's people in his time, but also is pointing ahead to Jesus and why that's such a beautiful thing that we see in Scripture. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, man, if you're skipping Ecclesiastes, you are doing this, you are totally, you know, missing the boat as a dad. Um, I would say, no, save Ecclesiastes till they're, you know, in junior high. That's okay. Um, but maybe, maybe as you get there, um, you could summarize it. You could say, hey, Ecclesiastes is a book that we're going to read later, but it's, it's really this, it's, it's part of the wisdom books of the Bible. And it's this struggle, um, that that's being recounted by, by Solomon of kind of what is life all about? What is the meaning of life? And then maybe read chapter 12. Here's where he ultimately concludes, you know? So, yeah, hopefully that I don't know if that's helpful, but that's kind of how I'd go at it. 
I think that's good input, even from the perspective of understanding genre, as you brought up genre, because I think so many people are be picking up, and I think there would be a temptation even to, you know, if you start reading through the Bible to go uh, book by book like that, and even, you know, Exodus, half of Exodus is very similar to Leviticus and, and Numbers, uh, but, uh, you know, if we're trying to work through that approach of questions and kind of uh, chewing through that slowly, the reality—I mean, you look at the—you look at some of the narratives in numbers. We've been working through numbers actually with our senior hires. A long story <laughs> at our church, but you can't read five verses and discuss five verses of numbers in the way that you could for say Ephesians or you know Genesis or something like that uh, it's just a, just fundamentally not designed that way Moses you know and Deuteronomy it's long sermons were that were not meant to be cleanly divided up into these little uh, takeaway parts you know right no that's exactly it yeah yeah you have to and I think they are meant you know, different genres. And this is even how you, how I preach them. You know, you, you would tackle big, much bigger chunks of old Testament narrative, um, than you would tackle, you know, passages from Colossians. You know, you could preach, I, I preached through Colossians last year. You could do, I don't know how many sermons on Colossians one, if you really wanted to yeah. just that one chapter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's okay to, to kind of summarize some of those broad chunks of the Old Testament, as, as you're helping them, as you said, put your Bibles together and understand there's different there's different kinds of genres in the Bible. Um, that's good for kids to start to to learn about. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. And just to follow up to that, I mean, do you just go? What's your approach to to picking what next to read with your kids? Do you Old Testament, New Testament? Do you uh, chronologically? Uh, what's that look like for you? Yeah, the, probably the biggest thing would be Old Testament, New Testament. Um, but for us, there's really, there hasn't been a big rhyme or reason. Um, we've had different, we've had different seasons we've gone through, but, um, I mean, a lot of times right now we're reading through at at least sometime during the week, uh, the passage that I'm going to be preaching on that coming Sunday, uh, cause I want them, I want them to actually be thinking with me about like what I'm studying and what I'm preparing to preach to our church. Um, so we've been in Acts, so that means we've read some chapters of, of Acts together. And I, I, I want to kind of, and that's just a way that I'm thinking, I'm not trying to be super formal and um, I guess overly intentional about it, but I want to invite them into how I'm thinking about ministering God's word to our church so that my job as a pastor is not some mystery to them and not something that they feel like, oh, we don't have any part in what dad is doing, but they actually feel like, oh yeah, dad's actually shared with us what he's going to preach to the church about. And we kind of, we get in on that a little bit. I think that's a good thing for pastor's kids. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. Now you have fairly specific recommendations on picking a Bible translation. What do you think about the kinds of translations people should favor and why? And I think this question will be really beneficial for longtime listeners as we've actually held a whole podcast on a similar topic before, but just to get a different perspective in that. Yeah, do you want to give me any hint on um, where you guys landed on your previous podcast, the Bible translation? So I don't KJV. No, we, we talked to an Old Testament scholar about uh, translations, and we also had Jason Helopoulos on, who's he's written a book about family worship. Um, I think, did, Tony, didn't he recommend using whatever your church uses? 
Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think their church uses ESV, and he recommended ESV. Uh, to, you know, because it's accessible to the whole church. But yeah, so we've talked about this before. But you know, it's good to have this. Is, I think this is a good question to, rep- to revisit yeah. from different perspectives. Yeah, yeah and, and that's actually a good word. Yeah. So our church uses the ESV as well. I mean, I guess what I would generally say to what I would say to people studying the Bible. First of all, to adults studying the Bible. If you don't have Greek and Hebrew training, which most most probably lay people in the church don't, I I recommend the ESV because they're they're mm-hmm. trying to do what's called an essentially literal translation. I know they're not the only ones doing that, um, but I think it's a good translation. I think it's readable. I also think they're generally trying to do word for word translation, and they're trying to keep the translations of any given word consistent throughout a given book. Whereas sometimes where you look at the some, the, some of the translations that are dynamic equivalent translations where they translate phrase by phrase, it can be a little bit more haphazard how things are being translated in different places, even within a book in the Bible. So I do think that, you know, you could say the ESV gets it wrong in some places, but they get it consistently wrong throughout a book. So (laughs) it's the same word throughout the book or the same phrase throughout the book. Um, So you can begin to see kind of a little, you can see the repetition a little better, I think. But I would say with your kids, I would feel the freedom to use whatever is working, but I would just recognize what it is. So, so the mess. If you're going to use the message, sometimes I think there's nothing wrong with using the message, but just recognize it's not really a translation. It's almost like someone retelling the story in his or her own words, and just recognize that's what it is. And that's what a pastor does from the pulpit all the time. You know, you you retell what's going on without actually quoting the. I mean, hopefully you're reading the actual scripture at some point and multiple points in your sermon. But there's points where you're explaining it too. And that's what that's what something like the message is. That's what a children's Bible is. It's retelling the story kind of in, in the author's own words. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't call it a translation, you know. Um, utilize it as someone's retelling. So that yeah, that's what I that's how I would put it. Yeah, I think that's good. And it it's a I think probably part of the reason it's come up in this podcast several times, uh, just in the episodes we've done, uh, it is a a curiosity of mine, and uh, and thinking about it, uh, you know, what can kids understand? Um, and I mean, I, I use the ESV pretty frequently. My memory, Bible memory, is is from there. Um, sometimes folks that are just strong, strong on essentially literal translations sort of forget that the Bible was intended to be understood. Um, and so, you know, if you just strictly bring, you know, language isn't math. Heard someone had said, and so if you just bring in words, you, you have to. There, there's some art form there in making it understandable. And so, um, anyway, we've read different translations to our, to our kids at different points. So, yep, absolutely. I think that's inter- such an interesting discussion because actually, before I got on the SV, I remember our college Ben uh, pushed the NASB, which is great in so many ways. 
But, you know, I think if it, I wasn't aware of the ESV, if the ESV wasn't around, that would be a much harder question uh, between, you know, what using for myself and my family. Because the NASV is not one that is very well uh, designed to be really read with kids. You know, I mean, it's, it does not follow. Our kids are raised up in English grammar, and it really does not big on English grammar so that it can be very literal. Uh, that to the original meaning of the text. and uh, But I think that's, that's a great discussion to have. So, John, shifting gears a little bit, why is it so important to pray with our kids uh, in response to what we just read in God's Word with them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing there is, is it, it's a little bit relates to the questions, you know, the application questions, but um, I, I think that praying about what you've read together in God's Word is, you know, without having to say it this directly to your kids every single night, it's reminding them there is a God who is speaking through, through this book. And, um, and I, I am called to actually respond to a real and living God. And so it's, it's you know, I, I talk back to God about what I'm hearing from him and his word. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if my kids would put it quite that way. Like if you ask them, why does dad pray about what you just read? I don't know if they'd quite put it in those terms, but I think there would be some, something about like, it matters and, (laughs) and we're actually supposed to try to listen to what we've heard and obey and actually be changed by what we've heard. Um, And so, yeah, it's that model of, Hey, we're not just closing this book and saying goodnight. We're closing this book for the evening and then talking back to the God who actually inspired these words. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really important to put it in, in different different words. I guess it, it's it's another way to teach them about the inspiration of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, just implicitly in how we're responding to the God who we believe is the living God of the universe. Yeah, I like that. I know as I was reading it in your book, um, just the, the modeling it for them. And I'm discipling a young guy, uh, early 20s, and we were going through some material on prayer recently, and it was looking up to different passages, and it was talking about the kinds of things that ought to, to shape our prayers. And I asked him, so what kind of shapes yours? And he said, well, I never really thought about what should be in there. I just sort of prayed about the day and, you know, that I'd have a good day, this kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, letting the Bible shape our prayers. God tells us what's most important to him, and so— we should go with that. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the benefits that might flow out of regular reading, regularly reading the Bible with your kids? Yeah, I mean, one of the benefits from regular doing it regular is that when you know you won't have this issue where when you do decide to do it, they're like, "Why are we doing this? We've never done it before." In other words, it you know it becomes a regular rhythm of your life that. Um, that they can assume this is something that's, you know, the Bible and prayer is going to be part of our family life. You know, I also think that, and I, I, I saw this in my own home, and our kids haven't hit the teenage years yet, so we'll see what that looks like for us. But I think having a regular pattern of reading God's Word and praying, and then also just talking about the things of God, you know, talking about theological concepts or tough questions, laid the foundation for me to continuing to talk talk about my faith with my parents through my high school and college um, years. And so my hope and prayer, and I think this has been played out in lots of families in positive ways, 
is that by making those things a regular part of our family life, that our my, my daughters will talk to me about their walk with the Lord, you know, when they hit high school and have the challenges of college and it will just, it will be an open channel of communication. I was reading just the other day um, about how few Americans in general, but also uh, evangelical Christians in particular, don't have regular conversations about God. And so if you're just part, making this part of the fabric of your family, you're really helping to, to set the table. John, what would you say to the dad who agrees with what you're saying? You know, Bible reading is good, um, but they just, I just don't have time to do this. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it's like, I mean, I would say you do have time. I mean, we all, we all have we all make time for what is important to us. And and what I'm again, what I'm talking about is it could be an hour a day, or it could be five minutes a day. Uh, but even five minutes a day is better than zero minutes a day. So I I just think um, you know we all make time for what's important to us. Um, and, and if I believe that there is a potential eternal impact on the souls of my children, then that's something I'm going to try to make time for. And, so, and it's, again, it's going to look different for every family. Um, you know, Tony's plowing through judges, you know, which is, which is awesome. Um, another dad, it really may just be, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to do one verse a week. Really? That's okay. If that's where you're starting from. But um, yeah, I think we, we make time for what we believe is important to us. And this is, this is something that can have eternal impact in the lives of our kids. It's well said. It's a good way to end things. Uh, Tony, any, anything you wanted to bring in? No, I just wanted to add, I think that answer, I mean, it's very frank and bold, but I think that's what's needed in this, you know, uh, that I appreciate that, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you don't uh, cut around the corner with that. I mean, we make time for what we value. And I think that is so important, you know, because I think it is so common for families to feel like, well, we don't have time for this. Uh, but yeah, we do. I mean, we have time for so many other things as a family, uh, from sports to whatever it is. Uh, but if we don't make time for it, it's a shame. And by the way, I do want to comment with the judges thing uh, that I'm very neurotic, and my kids, you know, have my genes. And we finished Joshua, and it was just kind of it led to it from there because you know the kids wanted to keep going and find out what happened. So. Uh, the, so it wasn't any intentional <laughs> that uh, I'm going to give my kids the end of Judges, which will be fun when we get to the last chapters of Judges. Yeah, you got like bodies being dismembered. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, we appreciate the time and uh, just sharing more um, about this really important topic that can really help shape families and um, can you know be a blessing to the dad or the mom who does this and even uh, into their church ministry, how they're able to to love others and be ministers of the word, uh, serve with them. So thank you for the book and uh, for joining this conversation today. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's great to chat with you about all this. Yeah. We right. really appreciate it. It's so kind. Take of you. care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.